What's going on, everybody? Welcome to This Week Disassembled. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Pallott. This week, we open up the podcast talking about Nancy Pelosi. We've had some questions about why Jim and I have been so critical on her, so we try to answer some of those questions. Shout out to those that have been giving feedback and questions. We are listening. In our second segment, we talk about the second possible stimulus package that's coming and why the GOP and Democrats seem to be compromising and negotiating on some things that should not be negotiable. In our last conversation, we talk about Tom Cotton. We talk about some of his racist and fascist ideas and talk about why we should not tolerate intolerance in this country. All that and more on this week's episode of This Week Disassembled. Oh, Jim. James Heenahan. We are back. It is July 28th, 2020. It is 712 here on the West Coast. It's 1012 over there. My friend, I'm going to start off every week um, as I usually do. How are you? I'm hanging in there, man. It's hot. It's been hot. Still hot. Nope. I'm opening a window. Yeah, it was like 97. Can you hear that opening the window? I can hear it's that. It's like, it's 90. It was 97 yesterday. It was like that today. I, as I like to say, Aaron, it was uh, it was as hot as Zac Efron outside. Ooh, see, I would have went a different hot way. Hot as Zac Efron. I would have went a different way. <laughs> I would have went a different way. Zac Efron, very no fine. Hate. Not as fine no as I would say Ryan Gosling or, uh, you know, Idris Elba, but... You know, everybody has their different flavor. It yeah, was, you you got you got different tastes, I guess. It was different miserable tastes. here. It was miserable here in in San Diego. For those that don't know where I am, it was seventy five degrees, crystal clear, and uh, a light breeze. Up. Just just shut up. It's just a tough life. Can I tell you something else that I hate? I, I mean, I I, I assume I, you were I, going I, to I, at some point. I, I know we're digressing here. We're not getting onto 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 our topics here like we need to, but. Um, we got plenty of time for that. I hate my I hate my iPhone. Can I just say that I hate my iPhone? Wait, 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 wait. I, I just want the people to know I am an endorser of iPhone. I, I want my iPhone to know. I want everyone at I Apple to know that are listening. I am okay with my Apple products, no. but please tell me why you hate them. No, I hate it. I'll tell you why I hate it. Now, and this isn't. I don't want to hear. Get off my lawn or, you know, I know you're going to make fun of me. Sure. I know you are. You know, but this you know is it. not an old man rant. I'm telling you. Okay. I don't, I'm not saying I want my Blackberry back. I'm not saying it. Although the Blackberry was awesome back oh in the day. My God. I'm just going to so, say, but I'm not letting it go, but it's like, here's the problem. Every time I touch this thing, it like does something I don't want it to do. It's way too sensitive. You know what I'm saying? I can't hear you. So no, no, no. I, what I was going to say, no, what I was going to ask is, you know, look, we are a podcast that, you know, recognizes the space of race, ableism, uh, you know, gender here. So I just want people to know before I ask you this question, how old are you, Jim, for the people that don't know? I'm not, I don't, I, why, why we got to go there? How All old I'm are saying you? Is, how old are you? Jim? I just, I'm, I'm older than you are. How much older? Cause I'm 28. I'm, See, I'm a little older than that. How much older? I, a little bit. In the grand scheme of things, uh-huh. we're basically the same age. Because, <laughs> like, if you go by, like, right. the time frame of the universe, uh, like, uh, yeah, yeah, we're both yeah. living in the same, you know, microsecond. Right. What I'm saying is, I, I like apps. I like using my phone for a lot of different stuff. Uh-huh. I just wish it was, I wish I had to push a button 
because it feels like the, the screens have gotten way too sensitive. Well, you know what I think we should do? I think- Kind of like you. Kind of like you, way too sensitive. <laughs> oh, I see. You finally got. You finally got to the punchline. You finally got to the punchline. You know, I was gonna say before. You know, before we do our moment of disassembly, we should do a new segment weekly. Old man yells at the sky, oh, presented on. by Jim. That's not what. I, that's that not what I'm was, saying. That was episode, or that was episode one of Old Man Screams at the Sky. Um, and let's say I just, I just don't want people to forget that is the prelude to what you are. I hope now noticing Old Man picks outro song each week, uh, which comes at the end of every episode. <laughs> so. I just wanted the people to get that. Jim, let's dive in. We got a good show this week. I feel like we had a good week. We have a, we have a good show every week, but I think this is a good one too. Let's go into our moment of disassembly. This is actually a shout out to Jeff Brown. Jeff Brown, we love you. We love your feedback. There was a question you asked, Jim. I want to talk a little bit about Nancy Pelosi, uh, your fearless leader. Uh, and, and when I say your, I'm going to use preposition subject uh, uh, agreement here. Uh, uh, <laughs> your fearless leader, Jim. Uh, you know, Jeff asked us a good question. You know, there are a lot of people that are big fans of Nancy Pelosi. You and I are not one of them, two of them. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, why we have some reasonable disagreements with the most powerful Democrat in the land right now. Well, um, and yeah, thanks for the question, because I really we I sort of made an offhanded comment about Nancy Pelosi at the end of the podcast last week. And I really, you know, um, I guess in thinking about it, it, it is a legitimate question. She's the most powerful Democrat in the country. And I guess my problem with her stems, initially stemmed from her, she's just the compromiser in chief. In a, it, we're at a moment in history when um, she could fully embrace a progressive um, agenda. And I'm not saying adopt every policy proposal that uh miss you know representative cortez has uh, that's not what i'm saying can i say but something I, can i say something can i, yeah, can I stop please. you there i just want please. people to know you know there are not many things that i'm very very passionate about but i am passionate about my role as president of the alexandria ocasio cortez fan club been there <laughs> since day one been there uh, since 2018. Look, she gets some things wrong, but I just want to say, I know you're shaking your head, Jim. I get I'm it. I'm not. I'm not I am. I am the president of the I Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, fan club. Boricua, shout out to oh, BX. come on. Bronx See, all this day. Is, and, and here's the problem. Because we're like not even into the podcast and there's already six things Fonda has written down that she's going to <laughs> yell at us about. Hey, is okay? that, does that say anything and, about us or does that and, say about the greatness of Fonda? I, I think more the latter than the former. See? I don't know. But, but, but I will say that the reason you are the fan club of Miss Cortez. Watch it. Watch already it. has Watch a it. partner. Watch it's not it. only watch not it. only because you happen to agree with many of her. Hey, New York, Brook BX all yeah, day, baby. That's right. It was. That's right. It's about New York. I was okay. there from Moving day one. On, please, if we may. No, I do not have a problem necessarily with Representative uh, Ocasio Cortez. Put some Ocasio respect Cortez. on her name. I know. I'm sorry. I, I am. I am. I'm absolutely whitewashing that name, and I apologize. That was wrong. No, seriously. In, 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 in all seriousness, 
It's Ocasio-Cortez, and I'm getting it wrong, and I apologize. Um, I don't necessarily agree, disagree with most of her policy positions. What the problem I have is that in our system, one of two things happens, yeah. right? When you get a, a representative, especially elected out of a, a relatively specific district in our district, our congressional districts are so small. They're generally, um, homogenous in some way, right? Like either they're all white or they're predominantly um, a black community or they're pre because, you know, white people have been writing the rules on districts forever and they gerry gerrymandering, redlining, all, right. all this stuff. Uh, exactly. It's a whole show. And here we go again down the rabbit hole. But <clears throat> the point being that um, often you'll get people out of these districts with very specific, they're they may have one or two main issues from that community that that community wants to take care of. And for, for Representative Ocasio-Cortez, she is from a actually a large, larger congressional district in a sense. BX and Queens. Um, or not larger, but a denser uh, district in, in the sense because all of her constituents are literally packed into a very small geographical area. So she is going to have, um, I think, because it's an urban area, a more worldly kind of view of what her purpose is supposed to be anyway. Right. Which, which is good. That's a good but thing. My, the problem is though. What about her boss? Well, well, I, I know I'm getting to that, but the, the problem is that our system tends to either corrupt or ostracize. Yes. And so either she is going to be corrupted by whatever, the power, the position or something. I don't think that's going to happen. Or she's going to or she's going to be, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, the nominee Maxine, for president in Ma 2032 Maxine, or whatever. Ma Maxine Waters. Right. She's going to be Maxine Waters, who I happen to think is brilliant. Right. But, but she is an anomaly, right? She, sure. She speaks her mind in a in an organization that do, that wants homogeneity. They sure. want sameness. And, and, and let me say this too. Like, that is part of the larger system. That is how the system right. stays intact. It, they Less, are part of it. Listen, they are not, so they're subject to it. Right? right. They are subject to the system, which, you know, God rests his soul as much as we talked about him last week. Even people like John Lewis you know, are subjects to the system, right? So so in many ways, that's that's a small fraction of some of the reason why we have, uh, you know, some of the reason why you have problems with Nancy Pelosi, but on a larger right. scale, right. when you get to some, when you get to a, when you get to the position of someone like Nancy Pelosi, you, uh, you now have a little bit more uh, malleability, or I should say movement within the system that allows you to participate in different ways and say someone like Maxine Waters, uh, you know, uh, the Honorable John Lewis, or even AOC, um, which should give you more leverage to do things that the party wants you to do, or or not party, but those no. that are voting for the party want you to do. Okay, so yes, this brings us full circle back to where we started with Speaker Pelosi. <clears throat> she has been uh, on the right side of history with LBGTQ plus rights. She voted against uh, the Defense of Marriage Act back in the day. That's And that was a big vote for her then 
although she was in leadership, uh, she was going against the president. Okay, her pre uh, party, the same party, but but she has not adopted progressive uh, uh, policies that I believe are ha have has uh, whose time has come, like Medicare for all. She's against it. She talks about she talks about this like Obamacare will eventually lead to single payer or med. Give me a break. With she that she walks she walks a very thin line, right? There is a yes. difference between Medicare for all and universal coverage. And I think yes. it's important that we talk about that language because there's a reason why universal coverage has been used, especially of lately. And I, I don't know if it'll be used uh, in this election on the presidential scale, but it will be used in smaller elections and has been. Difference here, you know, Medicare for all is government funded health care for everyone in this country. Universal coverage is this slick and sly sort of like in between. It's a hybrid of, you know, an expansion of Obamacare, which many millennials benefited from, even myself, staying on my mom's health care until 26. Um, it's, a, it's a hybrid between uh, a government-funded health care, but then also privatized health care. It is, it is not the complete... Uh, you know, call that many progressives are calling for. And Nancy Pelosi falls into this latter category of universal coverage. I just wanted people to understand the difference Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's important, Aaron. And, 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 and so I am giving you my view. I believe that it is immoral for healthcare to be a business that money is made off of. It simply should be a human right. Yes. Okay. We can do that. Plenty of countries do that, okay? And and frankly, the if we cannot get that now, when we are looking at a health apocalypse, we're gonna we're looking at a flu season coming up here very, very shortly, where not only are our hospitals gonna be overwhelmed with the influx of COVID patients, because now I believe the last statistic I saw was 43 states are now having increases in right. There's only rates. one. There's only one state in all of the United States in Connecticut, which no disrespect worked at ESPN. Nobody wants to go to, but they are handling it right. There's only one state in all the United States that is positively attacking this. I live in California, which many are now saying opened up way too early and is seeing skyrocket. Uh, skyrocketing numbers and record-breaking breaking days of both hospitalizations and deaths. So now's the time. I mean, now is the time, and she's on the wrong side of history. So is Joe okay. Biden, which is another and conversation for another day. No question. And and so is the DNC, okay, which just voted overwhelmingly two to one to to uh, excuse me three to one right to to not have Medicare for all on their plank. They also voted overwhelmingly uh, two to one against legalization of cannabis. Both, both, and this is the crazy thing about this, Aaron, both of those positions puts the DNC uh, plank committee is basically what they are, the platform committee, right. uh, not plank committee, platform committee, they are made up of delegates elected out of districts, right. local districts, by the Democratic Party, okay, in that district. Right. So these are hardcore Democratic operatives, with it, even in small districts, yep. okay? They are basically voting to the right of over, like, 90%, close to 90% of their 
constituency because Medicare for all is like 88% supported by Democrats. Cannabis legalization is right there with it. So even if it's just 80%, you're literally voting against four-fifths of your constituency and they just don't, and we always sit around going, oh, Republicans don't care what they do. Guess what? The Democrats don't either. They don't care either. It will be the same reason. It's the same reason why you're seeing a different conversation. Won't go into this, won't go into this rabbit hole here. It's the same reason why you're seeing Susan Rice now come up as, you know, a prominent name for the vice president uh, for Joe Biden when everybody knows she is a staunch Christian. Her son is, you know, a proud Republican. We see, we see, we saw Biden today. We saw Biden and the party today sitting on on literally the right side for talking about the political spectrum, even when they attack Donald Trump. Right. When they're talking yeah. about riots, they're talking about people destroying federal you know, buildings. They are they are setting themselves up against what the, the majority of the constituency wants, because they think in some ways that this idea of, uh, you know, moderation or centerism is going to win the party when, Jim, I saw the 2000 election, I saw the 2004 election. When has this worked in any point in my lifetime? I don't know. But when has this again, worked when, when over and over again? And, I, you know, we won't get into that conversation on a whole, but in large part, this is this is some of the same reason why we have problems with Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, uh, those in general, because they, they are sitting on the wrong side of history when it comes to well, the real progressive things. And she's th a full-throated uh, supporter of Joe Biden. Right. And I just, okay, so that's, like for me, like that's a, like Joe Biden. We have talked about this on the podcast. I, I'd invite anybody to go back and listen to that episode. Um, Joe Biden, every time he opens his mouth, says something else offensive. I wasn't even going to say this, but like in the past week since we did the podcast, he wanted to say that Donald Trump was the first racist president. What in the, God's name are you even thinking at that point to even make that like? If I go down the rabbit hole on this, I could I could go, okay, I see what he's saying, sort of like he's the first overtly racist. Sure. Shut up. You do. Just stop. I, I don't because you're telling I mean, me. Because it doesn't matter. <laughs> you're telling me George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, even Who Alexander. <laughs> you know, even, even as much as I love the musical, we won't oh. get into it. Even Alexander oh, Hamilton, you're telling me all these people who either owned slaves, managed slaves, sold slaves. No, they didn't have any racism either. We'll get no. to him and Tom, Tom Cotton I later. I, Alexander Hamilton wasn't a president though. I, uh, no, I'm just saying clear. founding fathers. Yeah, I know you were saying you were yeah, making you know. the founding. I know. Yeah. How did no, the $10 no. so, so founding father the, without the, a father? I'm sorry. 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 I know. Please stop. I do want to say this, Jim, because it, it merges really well into our next segment, right? Th this, this conversation is going to overflow. Even right now, what the Democrats are doing in conversation with a second possible stimulus package, in conversations with the GOP, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, I know Chuck Schumer, you know, kind of tried to change his position today. Um, oh, well, what, 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 well, that's news. Chuck right. Schumer took, changed his position. Good God. Right, right. right. Um, you Come know, on. outside of them saying that they wanted to dress like extras in Black Panther 2, uh, the conversation. Well, that was my other thing with them, Aaron. <laughs> like, 
I, honestly, can we just be, can we just sure. talk real for a second here? Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying, I know I bang this drum all the time. Please bang but it. I, I, under no circumstances, I want all my white friends out there to listen closely. Talk to them. Okay? Listen closely. Under no circumstances do you hang a kente cloth across your shoulders, around your neck, and show up for a photo op under no circumstances. It's not your culture. Don't co-opt it. Don't adopt. Just stop. In the same way that you're not going to put on blackface, don't do that. Because frankly, they're both offensive. They're both overtly offensive. And you should know that. And I'm sorry, Nancy Pelosi, Miss 80-something, like whatever, however old you are, you don't know that. Somebody in your office should have said, at, someone had to know this was the, who was the person that ordered all these friggin' kente cloths? Probably like, some poor black exactly. intern who An shook intern. his head. Do you smell that? Do you smell I that, Jim? It smells uh, really performative around here. Uh, it smells really performative out here because I'm going to tell you this. Uh, you know, Some it's, person of color trying to work their way through college. Just trying to, to make it through. As a total, as an intern, totally like some political science major from, you <laughs> who, know, who got whatever job. goofball district she's from. I forget what district is. She's from like the, I don't remember what. You got like 55 of them out there. It's way too many. I know. You know, but it yeah, smells real. You know that that is exactly what happened. It right? smells real performative, just like Bill yeah. de Blasio playing, painting Black Lives Matter in front oh, of Trump Tower. That does nothing oh. for me. Jim, I do want to talk about this this GOP yeah, bill. I do want to talk about move this GOP on. bill that Pelosi sorry, and others. Sorry, Jeff. I'm sorry, Jeff. No, That's and this a, is this it, isn't this isn't an attack I on know. Jeff. I mean, shout out and much respect to his wife for even it's asking the question. Fiance, fiance, fiance. Fiance. Much, yes. much, much respect to his partner. Um, you know, this isn't this isn't a shot at him, his partner, anything. Not at all. I, there is an understanding that people need to have and why we have this sort of disgruntled mentality when it comes to Pelosi, because we're seeing it right now. You know, yes. the, the, the Democratic Party said that they were willing to work with the GOP on a new stimulus plan to give us 1200 bucks because I guess somebody figured out four months later that $1,200 wasn't going to last us. Uh, yeah, it might not make it. Wasn't gonna might last not make us. it on that, Aaron. Look, my rent is due on, in three days. $1,200 is not even going to cover it. I'm going to tell you that. So, you know, there was conversation that they were willing to negotiate with the GOP, but the GOP in their, I think it's CARES Act or whatever, one of the big things that they were willing to take out noting them air quotes, noting that they were thinking about the same bullshit that these people are always thinking about the children and jobs, um, that, (laughs) that they wanted to reduce. That's what they're thinking about. That's what's on their mind. They wanted to reduce unemployment, which COVID unemployment, uh, money, which was $600 a week, uh, which ended at the beginning of the month. Um, they want to reduce that from 600 bucks to 200 bucks because God help me. $800 helps pay the rent somewhere in this country. I don't live there. I don't want to overlook that. $800 pays rent somewhere. I just don't happen to live there. I don't know a lot of places that that it does cover much less expenses. South Carolina. Right. And and, and (laughs) Schumer and Pelosi said that they were willing to negotiate because unemployment and $600 was not a hill that they were willing to die on. 
Jim, you know, I had an interesting conversation with a friend of mine this week who basically said, you know, I am, and this is somebody who votes Democratic. Uh, this is a person of color that votes Democratic. They don't listen to the podcast, so I can talk shit. Um, no, I mean, let's be gentle. I there's will be gentle. It, it, there's a lot of ignorance out there. I will sure. be gentle, and we're going to talk about why we're going to be gentle here mm-hmm. in a second. Who basically said, and I've heard this from a lot of people, you know, I'm glad they're reducing unemployment from 600 to 200. Those people who are unemployed were making more money than me. I'm glad they're reducing yep. it. Jim, there's a lot that I have in feelings towards this and unemployment, uh, you know, being reduced at the moment. But this is one of the reasons why we have problems with the G- with with the Democratic establishment here. W- who gives a shit if unemployed people are making six hundred bucks a week yeah. when they're unemployed? They don't have a job. Why yeah, is the Democratic no. Party even willing to negotiate on something that, in 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 many people's opinion, should be non-negotiable? Uh, I mean, 50 million people, not, almost 50 million people without jobs, Jim. We're like 42 well, million right now. Well, right. At, and 30 million people are collecting some form of unemployment uh, insurance. So that's a lot. That's that's a lot of people. Um, yeah, I, I guess in my mind, my first question is, well, it, what hill are you willing to die on? Have they ever seen a hill they're willing to die on would be my question, because frankly, I, I'm still waiting, right? Like when when exactly have they ever said no to Mitch McConnell? Never. That's what I'm saying. N- Nancy Pelosi is the is the is the compromiser in chief. That's what she is. And a lot of that is because of the position she occupies. I, I get, get it, but that. something but Jim But Jim, enough. Something's enough. something's aren't aren't meant to be negotiated. I what agree. are we doing? And, Especially and right so, now. And so yeah. So what I would say, first of all, to your friend is um, if someone on unemployment is making more money than you, you need a raise. Hey, man, we all need a, a damn raise. OK, I, I get it. Under In this system, we are all always going to be poor. Let's not let's not look at the other and say to them, uh I don't like you because you're making more money than me for doing less. Let's look at them and go, good for you. How do how can we work together so we all do better? Because because listen, you know, there's there's I've always taken the position that in this system, there's a lot of people that don't make enough money. But I'm just not going to criticize people, working people, who somehow get ahead a little bit that they're not as desperate as most of us right okay i'm not gonna look on them and say oh well that's not fair i'm a teacher i don't make i make you know i make you know starvation wages right (laughs) like like i mean but but i'm a communication specialist i'm in the same boat as you who even know what the fuck that means my point is as i say all the time this is for you mark hauser it's not a competition, man. No. It doesn't have to be a competition. And can I we say something, Jim? We are all suffering. Can I say something there, too? Because, again, this is where, you know, the duality and the pacifism and the empathy comes from us here. Not a pat on the back. It's something that I know that we both generally struggle with. Look, man, I can't blame that my friend has been raised and socialized under the rules of capitalism to think that there isn't enough when they just printed $3 trillion 
out of yeah. nowhere, man. You're looking at the back of my. You're looking. They're about at, to do it again. Right. They're you, about to. You print another trillion. You are looking at my. You're looking at my. Uh, at my bookshelf in the background here. One of my books from grad school called Making Peace Last. Um, you know, the first two chapters talks about the massive amount of budget that the U.S. spends on military, right? You could add the yeah. next hundred countries under the U.S. and they still wouldn't combined spend as much money as we do, right? If we talk about slashing 3% from the Pentagon's budget, if we talk about defunding Homeland Security in any form, just like basic math of this, most of these things are even more possible than they already are. The lies of capitalism tell us otherwise. And I can't be upset, too upset, because I am upset, at my friend who, 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 who feels this way. I don't really care if the person who has no job, I don't really give a shit what they spend it on either. $600 a week? Are you joking me? $600 a week, Jim? Give those people their money who have no job, no health insurance, and who, as we talked about last week, many of them are going to be at the forefront on the streets because of the looming housing crisis that's going to come in the next three, that's going to start in the next three to four days. Yeah, I, I mean, this is, I, I am hopeful that something happens. I don't know. You know, that's what, that's I, what Hazard likes you, about you. You're the most I hopeful say, nihilist in America. Well, I know that's right. Um, I I don't have a lot of faith in the things I see, and I say this often to you. I get I take no comfort for the degrees in political science that I got. I don't because because the indicators are not good. The health crisis is deepening. The financial crisis is deepening. We are on the precipice of our normal flu season, or what they had said actually is gonna be a, a, a particularly bad flu season in combination with COVID. I, I do not know what to say about that other than what we're doing is not working. And when you can't even get Democrats, Democrats to die on the hill of giving people money to just eat. Okay. I don't know what your purpose is. I don't know what the purpose of the democratic party is. Seriously. I really don't. Seriously. I just Jim. don't. Can, can, I can, mean, can we say they that out sound loud? like they just sound like Bob Dole's Republican party of 1996. That's exactly what they sound like. They sound like the, they sound like the, the flipping uh, Republican party from the mid nineties. Can, can we, can we, can we just really break that down again for the people? Just that sentence, right? The fact that the democratic party who is supposed to be the progressive party in this country cannot die on the hill of universal health care and making sure people have enough money to put food on their table. What are we doing? And what are I'm they sorry. For? And and for everybody who's keeping track at home, ding dong, there it is this week. I, you got me to say it. What are we doing, Jim? Yeah, I don't know, man. And and I really don't. You know, I. You know, it's hard because, like you said, we are all conditioned by this system, and I. There are days that I am grateful that I got lucky enough. Uh, to get some education that sort of expanded my thinking to other areas that I wouldn't normally have encountered from, you know, growing up in the neighborhood I grew up in, right? I know you feel the same way. And I'm, tr 
and I'm not saying this to say, oh, look at me. I've got something special to say because I have a couple pieces of paper, which it's are quite the not, opposite. That's not what I'm saying <laughs> quite at the opposite, all. What, people. I, what I'm saying is, you know, you it is it is hard once you understand that um, it's hard once you understand that the fundamental um, institutional arrangements of our country are not equipped to handle what is happening without drastic measures. It's hard to look at our situation, having studied what we've studied and go, oh my God, we're gonna be okay because we always are. It doesn't feel that way this time. And I am frequently wrong. So, and I am hoping I am now. <laughs> but, but like when I am dealing with Democrats who have no heart at, I'm wondering what in the hell are they willing to defend? I don't know. What are they willing I do to know. defend? I do know. They're congressional and Senate seats at whatever cost. Uh, right. And then I go from that to open racism from the Republican Party. Hey, listen. It's just part of the platform now. I'm going to tell you, Jim, there are, there are a few things that I like. There are a few things that I like. There are a few quirky things that I like. One of them, completely random, has nothing to do. I really like sports teams that have, like, team names. And then, like, you know, a lot of them have, like, dance teams. A lot of them are unisex or whatever that match the names. Oh. No, no, oh listen to God. where I'm what going you, here. Why are you doing this? Listen doing to this where stuff? I'm going, man. So, like, the Hornets, <laughs> the Hornets have the honeybees. Very uh, good. It matches. I like that. Yeah. Um, Got it. Uh, 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 Why not just the bees? Well, honeybees, because hornets, I, honey, it, it, it just listen, no, man. No, it let doesn't me, work at let all. Let me get this here, honey, right? because it's women. It's sexist. Uh, listen, one you is know, not. This one is I not. I am saving you right now. This one I am is not saving you from a tongue lashing. Okay, and you know. Let it. me say this. So the New York Jets, <laughs> they have the Flight Club, not sexist, yes, club, no patriarchy. Exactly. I like it. Good. I like it. Uh, good. Um, Got it. I, I, Got I know it. a dance director named Teron Brown who was telling me about <laughs> Washington football team. That's their literal name now. Yes, I know. <laughs> the Liberals hurt. won. The Liberals won. Yes, I do want to say that. Uh, they have yeah. a dance team that's called the First Ladies. I just, it just, I like when it matches. Now that, that does work. It matches. Because, because Washington, if you're going to go there and embrace the whole cultural identification. First Ladies right? works. Washington has to be like the Washington, like what the baseball the team, Nationals, like the, the Capitals, or the Nationals, right? Or the Capitals, right? It's got to be themed. The so Generals, if you say First Lady, it works. It sort of works, and it's not overtly disrespectful. So I like things that match. It's my kink. You're killing me. My You're other, me my tonight. other kink is a good transition, which you just did. So we're going to transition to the next segment. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Listen, we're, we're for anyone about... listening who, who is, has not turned this podcast off at this point. I'm drinking a lot is, of whiskey tonight. It's quarter to 11 on the East Coast, just <laughs> to let you know. Okay. Right now. Let's get to, let's get to what you just to pointed 11. out. I can't believe we're laughing. I'm so grateful to laugh. Isn't it nice? Because the world is so horrible right now. It is. It just, is. Like it, I don't know about people who listen, but 
like if I take every opportunity to over laugh at anything remotely funny at this you point, you have to because I have to mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. Let's uh, let's get to uh, yes, you know, speaking of laughing at the horrible, we talked about <laughs> we talked about the fact that the Democrats have no platform. Let's go to the GOP because they have many platforms. One of them is racism. Let's talk about your boy Tom Cotton. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about Tom Cotton. And his listen, listen, <laughs> listen, Tom Cotton straight out of central casting. He couldn't be named anything but Tom Cotton. And and think and, about the links. And we need Uncle to Uncle Tom's cabin. We need to Cotton. We need it's to like set, all, from Arkansas. Like right. it's like central casting. Right. I want to read to you a oh. little bit of the description of Tom Cotton, just so people get a further understanding of the stereotype that Tom Cotton is. Tom, oh yeah. Thomas Brian Cotton is an American lawyer, military veteran and politician, a member of the Republican Party. He served as the US House of Representatives. He served in the US House of Representatives from 13, 2013 to 15 and has served as a junior United States Senator for the uh, great state of Arkansas since 2015. <laughs> So why are we talking Tom Cotton for those at home that are wondering? Well, Tom Cotton had an interview, uh, you know, with the uh, with the Democratic with the Democrat Gazette um, in in Arkansas, where he was talking about the 1619 project. For those that do not know what the 1619 project is, it is now a Pulitzer Prize winning project from the New York Times fake news, as as, as Donald Trump likes to call, um, which talked about sort of the reshaping and reexamining of um, the 200 year anniversary last year, 2019, since when uh, since African slaves first arrived in this country. It has won numerous awards and there is now a conversation happening all over the country. Um, you know, the Pulitzer Center, they have a whole lesson plan designed called the 1619 Project Curriculum, which schools can now use the 1619 Project to teach in, uh, you know, in a lot of abolitionist-centered uh, uh, curriculum happening in different parts of the country. Very popular here in California. I don't think it's popular in places where we used to be in, you know, Spartanburg and South Carolina. But Tom Cotton has a little bit of issue with this and has introduced a bill to make sure that government funding, uh, you know, it's it's a bill that does a few things, but a bill that uh, makes sure that government funding isn't going to be used. Uh, to teach the 1619 project, Jim, am I am I about right there on on the setup here? Yeah, um, it's it's troubling the way he he kind of just talks about this, and and we we really should just let him do the talking. But yeah, that's that's pretty good. There, the 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 1619 project is just is is simply a collection. Uh, it's an it's it's part of the New York Times magazine um, from last August that. They just devoted a lot of time to kind of first person uh, or not first person sort of, but like more like um, uh, uh, voices from the culture describing the effect of uh, sort of America's journey through history. Yes. If from the perspective of some of of non-dominant culture so it's it's who, a re-examination based off of what we've been socialized to understand slavery what slavery was in this country absolutely. it was led absolutely. by nicole hannah jones who um you know again won a pulitzer prize but it's made of i mean a lot of writers and received, a lot of and she received 
and she received the, the bulk of the criticism for some of her conclusions, which we will get into in a bit. Yeah. But but yeah. the reason why we're talking Tom Cotton is because of this interview he did, uh, you know, with his local newspaper. Jim, let's just get into the first segment here. Um, you want you want you want to give a little description of this first this first little piece uh, from from the interview with Tom Cotton. Well, it, the whole premise of the interview is to get sort of Tom Cotton's reaction um, to this 1619, um, you know, initiative uh, that some schools have adopted to teach. And he had introduced a bill, like you said, to uh, eliminate federal funding uh, in specific areas for schools that um, decide to teach this. And the bill is dead on arrival. I mean, this is all grand. This is a sham. But but the, the, the problem with, you know, just on its face, the federal funding that he is talking about restricting or, or keeping from schools essentially is used for um, like professionalization. It's, 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 it's used for teacher training in best practices and on and on and on. He's essentially so. So think about this with me. Who are the teachers that need the most training? They are often the teachers working in the most at-risk communities because those communities cannot pay as much. Right. They they have to make waivers for people with less education right. and less training. Uh, Teach for America right. abuses this system. Abuses uh, it. In partnership with AmeriCorps. And we can do a whole thing on that someday about how they they're leeches on a on a on a on a corrupt system okay the the so the 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 funding he's talking about restricting is literally going to the most endangered of our students in in not getting the resources they need and falling behind and not having qualified teachers and he's using that lever to try and undermine a interpretation of history from people who whose ancestors experienced it in a different way yes and if we if we are who we are we should hear all of those voices because these aren't people advocating for the destruction of another group of people they're simply saying this is how our our culture experiences this history this is a different perspective that hasn't been taught on a major scale let's get let's 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 let tom cotton i'm sorry um, Uh, talk out of his ass for the next few minutes here we go (laughs) Nineteen project uh why did you introduce this legislation new york the new york times should not be teaching american history to our kids frank um the 1619 Project is left-wing propaganda. It's revisionist history at its worst. Our country was not founded in 1619. It was founded in 1776. And it would benefit <laughs> of federal tax dollars if local um, schools decide to use that kind of revisionist history in their curriculum. All right, oh, few problems God here. Almighty. Few problems here. Oh, so, I, you know, I love how he picks and chooses here. Um, where do you want to start, Jim? Do you want to start in the fact that you know he hits his punchlines for uh, you know Republican 
kink points, I like to call them, right? Left-wing propaganda, yes. you kink, hit it. Kink points. Right. You know, just, <laughs> they're just, I think they're just certain things that turn the GOP on at they this point. the Republicans' nipples hard. A little hard. A little hard. And he seems like probably he's... probably wrong of me to say, but that's, uh, that's, you know. that's what I envision happening with Republicans <laughs> when he says racist things. So where do we start here, Jim? Because, you know, he says that the New York Times isn't responsible for teaching our kids fine, whatever. I mean, yeah, but that's nonsense. It's not the New York Times teaching our kids history. What it is, is teachers as professionals taking some literature, historical literature written from a perspective that is underrepresented in the field and adopting it and teaching it as an opinion about history, which is all that historians do anyway. They do it anyway. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. And if he thinks that schools are left-wing propaganda machines, he hasn't been in one in a while, man. I got news for you. <laughs> the that same left-wing they are. The, Seth, that, the, the same left-wing propaganda places that demand you stand up and do the pledge of allegiance. Exactly. You know, I grew up in the south where we had a moment of silence for prayer. Those oh, are the same on. left-wing nut jobs. Here's the thing that I'm confused about, Jim. You can just give me 30 seconds here. You know, <laughs> why, you know, the biggest thing that I think is really ironic is whether you disagree with the 1619 project or not, there is something that is essential with the 1619 Project that challenges the narrative which has shaped you, which has shaped me, which has shaped your children, shaped my peers, that has been one of a strictly white tunnel vision perspective on what this country has looked like. I think with the 1619 Project, if it fails in everything else, what the importance of it in doing is what you just said, bringing a new perspective, but then also challenging the normative historical perspective and opinion in which many people believe that this country uh, was built on and which many people take as a gospel and 100% truth. Why is there a problem with that? Uh, you know, I know the answer to that. That isn't, that isn't rhetorical. The problem with that is it challenges not only the patriarchal, but white normative structure of what people in this country think history actually is. Agreed. And, and frankly, all history is revisionist history. It is revised by the by the by the generation that inherits it. And so I'm simply going to and own where that. you are geographically. You're you know what, Tom Cotton, broken clock time. You're right. It is revisionist history. We should revise history as we come to new understandings. Right. That's how you evolve culturally. It is not a cancel culture, which it doesn't exist. It is an evolve an evolving culture. That's all it is. You want a dead culture? Go learn Latin. <laughs> like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, yeah. So let's, let's, Tom Cotton further divulges into this. Tom Cotton, the floor is yours. Speak out your ass some more. Yes. Any idea how much money we're talking about if this funding was taken away? It won't be much money, Frank, because it's not all money. It's simply um, uh, the proportional share of what schools might use uh, in their yeah, district curriculum. But yeah. teacher training, teacher training money is too much to go to the 1619 project in our public schools. The New York Times should not be teaching American history to our kids. Okay, so that's that's more garbage. I want to let him it's keep just, going a little bit more. He, he's yeah. you know he's a little redundant. Please keep going, Tom Cotton. Isn't. Uh, Curriculum, though, hasn't that traditionally been a matter for local control, not for federal intervention? Curriculum is a matter for local decisions. 
And if local left-wing school boards want to fill their <laughs> children's head with anti-American rot, that's their regrettable choice. But they ought not to benefit from federal tax dollars to teach Americans' children in America. Okay, so a few questions here, Jim, just on <laughs> local and federal politics. Because, you know, yeah. if I am a local school district member uh, in Tom Cotton's district, I'm a little upset, right? Because it's like, what do you think we're doing here? Like, how many liberal maniacs do you think are in Arkansas? How many uh, liberal maniacs do you think are in Tom Cotton's district that are actually doing these things that he's talking about? Because if this is a local matter, there shouldn't be an issue at all, Jim. It's grandstanding. He is trying to adopt Donald Trump's far right um, populist positions. Daddy, by, look at me. Daddy, look at me. Exactly. Uh, Daddy, tread on me. <laughs> That's what he's saying. The hey, federal man, government look, look, is going to tread on you. Everybody you know has I mean? their kinks. I, look, Listen, I, I'm not it, judging. I'm just saying. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind if a few people stepped on me, but I mean, what are we doing here, Jim? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know because he's. I, I mean, it's just for show. It really is. You know, he's he talked about like the founding of the country at 1776 as if the Declaration of Independence founded the country. That's not what founded the country. We it's talked not, about this, not how this last works. week. That's not okay, how this I'm so, I'm sorry. We our country wasn't even founded until. 1789 right like we we had a whole period there of articles of confederation which did not work and then we had what we have now which started in 1789 after i don't know enough states ratified the constitution and everything else i'm not an expert on this uh but i'm just so he doesn't even have his facts right and he's trying to reach to something that he cannot own from his position like he's you know he's trying to do this like he's trying to say that uh, and he does this later on like all mankind is created equal that's what america is about sure. well that's not what it's it's not what it says sure. in the declaration of independence it says all men are created equal okay and and you know his the political successors to the declaration of independence that actually wrote our constitution decided that all men who were white were created equal and owned land and if you were a slave, you were three-fifths of a human. Mm. And if you were uh, an indigenous person, geez, I don't even think they had any rights. And so they weren't human at all. Right. And the and, and here's what I want to tell. I'm sorry. I gotta I gotta say this. No, because, go ahead. Because this is what this is what drives me crazy with this rhetoric. All of these people want to reach back to a time when a bunch of politicians, rich white politicians, set up a country that 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 benefited them okay as if they were deities and they weren't even if you think the best of them okay they were still just politicians trying to solve problems and and what they did their solution to the problems they have was to say that black people and indigenous people in this country were not human they literally said that in the founding document of the Constitution. Okay, so when so when I hear these these liberals, okay, celebrating about they're taking Justice Tanny's bus down at the wherever the hell in the rotunda or whatever. <laughs> Justice Tanny, you'll re, you'll remember, is the guy who who had the Dred Scott 
yep. decision in 1856 that sure. led to the Civil War. And everybody thinks he's a horrible person because he's a racist. Well, he was a horrible person and he was a racist. You know what else he was, Aaron? Correct. He read the constant, he interpreted the Constitution correctly. That was the problem. Right. He said that Dred Scott had no standing before the court because he was property. And property has no standing. Only human beings have standing. Context. Go, go read the Constitution. It says that black people are not human. Con They're three-fifths of a human. Context. Whatever that means. Context for those that are listening at home that may be lost in that. Jim is not saying that he agrees with Dredd. No. He's basically, you know, the found, on the founding of the country, this is who we were. This is who the country was. Dredd was reading, you know, he was reading the Constitution as it was and from a legal standpoint, or I should say a legal interpretation, was correct. Right. And so when this jackass from Arkansas says that okay. you and that your kids and that your friends are trying to teach people how to hate the country. That's right. And when they say, oh, we got to, we got to, um, remember where the constitution you know what the constitution says about this stuff yeah i remember when they, they want to say he says later our country wasn't founded well, on well, don't, 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 don't spoil it yet. Don't founded spoil on yet. uh i mean go ahead yes please play it and i'll rant about it then but, tom cotton take it away thank you there yes yes you've referred to it the project is racially divisive could you talk about that so the entire premise of the New York Times factually and historically flawed 1619 project, yeah. which even liberal history professors of all people have criticized as inaccurate. And Gordon Wood, I'll go off on him too. Gordon Wood. Is that America is at root a systemically racist country to the core and irredeemable. I reject that root branch. America is a great and noble country. You brought founded on the founded on the proposition that all mankind is created equal. <laughs> we have always struggled to live up to that promise, but no country has ever done more to uh, achieve it. Okay, so I'm going to stop you here. I'm going to stop you here. One of my favorite modern philosophers uh, goes by the name David Chappelle, and he once told, <laughs> "Amen." He once told a joke one time. I said, worship at that altar. <laughs> he once told a joke one time that said, you know, there are a lot of white people in this country that think that America was founded on equality. They look at Thomas <laughs> Jefferson and say, you know, they think about him and say, you know, all men are created equal. What they forget is <laughs> after he finished that line, he turned around and said, go get me a sandwich, nigger. Like, you know, like it's, it's. I don't know if people get it, but uh. I'm going to say it pretty loud and clear. Because Tom Cotton is going to talk about this a little bit. Slavery was not a necessary evil. Uh. But what this country was founded on was a few things. Sexism, one of them. Racism, another giant part of it. Now, I won't get into the theology of this because I, I, I am, you know, I am a believer that nothing is beyond redemption. But I'm going to tell you something, Jim. Right now in its current state, the way America is operating, America is not redeemable based on the principles that it was founded upon. And those have a large part with the black bodies that this country was built upon. 
I don't think anybody that dismisses the fact that this country was inherently built by black bodies, black hands, and the oppression that came with allowing those black bodies to do so are not only willfully ignoring the fact, but continue to embody those same structures which made those the principles of which this country was founded upon. Tom Cotton is one million percent wrong here. This country was inherently founded upon racist ideals and anybody that says other says otherwise is beyond willfully ignorant jim well it's written in our constitution i just said it i mean black I, people were three-fifths of a human jim three-fifths of go, a human what, is, what does that mean i mean you, the only reason that you were even uh your you know your ancestors were even considered three-fifths of a human is because Southern politicians were afraid that they were not going to have enough representatives in the national body Thank you. and they wouldn't be able to resist Northern representatives, you know, passing laws that might interrupt chattel slavery. You know, there are, I mean, can you think insane. about the theological statement that people are making? It's insane. Can, can I just think like people need to understand this for a second, right? We're not even talking about the fact that, you know, the lie that, you know, people think this country was, you know, found on Christianity, whatever that bullshit. Um, you know, can you think about the theological statement that someone makes when they are saying that a person is subhuman? Think about that. The ideology, the ideology that this country was built upon saying that people who look like me were less than human, that is the foundation of our country. That is the foundation of our country. And anybody, again, who, who rejects that notion is willingly choosing to do so. Yeah. At this point, um, I just, it, it is very, we talked about this before we came on. It is very hard to remain patient at this point. And I I have lost friends uh, as recent as this week, again, I'm, because I'm over it. I, I'm sorry. Get I'm on the not. wrong side of history or, or shut your mouth until you do. Because if you are talking about restricting rights, if you're talking about um, even the notion of closing borders and and uh, in, in the sense of not allowing people, there's not, no such thing as an illegal person. There's no such thing as, uh, uh, you know, uh, an, uh, someone who is like an illegal immigrant, an illegal person. Stop it with this stuff. If, if, we, if we, as a culture, as a country in this post-colonial world, we're not acting like col colonial powers. Yeah, right, right. People would not, and stealing the wealth of the world from other places, okay? I'm looking at you, Elon Musk. You, you, you know, I'm going to steal a, a line here. You, you televangelist for atheists, okay? <laughs> hey, I man, I got some. That's, I got not some mine. That's not mine. That's I got, mine. I got some associates in Texas who worship at the altar of Elon oh, Musk. Good. You what and I say that? this every, you know, you and I have this conversation all the time. Just because somebody puts a mic or a camera in front of you, just because you have a billion dollars, doesn't mean that you're not a stupid motherfucker. It too. doesn't mean that you got they're, something to say. They're not mutually exclusive. I know. And he basically, you know, the CIA helped overthrow Evo in Bolivia. So Elon Musk can get cheap lithium for his cool. free car. And on and on and on. I know I sound like a conspiracy. I'm, I'm wearing a tin hat. But if you people don't think this is happening, God, look at our history. They flooded BIPOC communities with crack cocaine in the 80s. 
We know that through the Freedom of Information Act that that was the CIA making a deal with the Medellin cartel, okay, and flooding poor North, uh, communities with cheap cocaine. Shout out that to Nixon. All, Shout out to Reagan. That was all to fund their illegal wars in Central America, in El Salvador, in Honduras, this in is, Nicaragua. This is the side Come of on. Narcos that you don't see on Netflix. That's right. In Panama, where they, they propped up some jackass in Noriega, who was basically a warlord, until he didn't work anymore, and Bush went and murdered him, or you know, murdered all his supporters and took him to Miami. Get him you out know, of there. This is what I'm saying. Like, this is what our country does. Right. Okay. Right. So I do want to. I, I do want to give one I, more I, I, quote. I do want to give one more. One more <laughs> little segment here from Tom Cotton, your boy, because uh, he's going to talk about the same. It's another kink for GOP members. Here you oh, go. kinks! I love kinks. Yeah. <laughs> What, what would you say to folks that say fighting to preserve Confederate statues, names on bases and stuff, that that's racially divisive as well? Frank, take your time, Con. No take your time. with people debating that in a constructive, reasoned, deliberate fashion. We've done that in Arkansas. Our legislature chose to remove the statues of two Arkansans, with segregation has passed. They passed a law to do so. That process is underway. What I, I can't tolerate, what I think no one should tolerate, are angry mobs tearing down statues of anyone. You know, they tear down a statue of Robert Lee today, and tomorrow they come for Washington and Lincoln and for Grant. Ding, 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 yeah. ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Ring the and bell, everybody drink. Ding, 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 ding. Hey, Jim, uh, tell us what logical fallacy that is for the listeners at home. <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, let's just be real here, okay? Peaceful protests don't get anyone's attention. No. Okay? It's not till something gets broke that people start paying attention in this country. So... This idea that he's against, uh, you know, citizens going out and pulling down Robert E. Lee statues is insane. First of all, he sets up a false equivalency as if Robert E. Lee is the same as Washington, Lincoln and Grant. Uh, OK, so first of all, Robert Lee, Robert E. Lee was a traitor who fought Ulysses S. Grant. OK, I, I don't know why they all say this about Grant. Like, who's trying to tear down statues of Grant? I don't know. He was a drunk. Yeah, he was a drunk. That. I was going to say, I mean, I don't drunk. Know. like, I don't, I guess, okay, take his statue down too. Yeah. I'm not into people worship from other generations. So yeah, take them all down. Take them all down. But my, but my point is Robert E. Lee was a traitor. Lincoln asked him to direct the union armies. He said, no, no, I'm good. Okay. He support, he chose the wrong side of history. Just like Nancy Pelosi did when she supported the crimes bill in the 90s that led to a generation of BIPOC people getting locked up. Led by Sorry. who? Led by who? Led by Joseph Biden in the justice in his justice committee in the in the Senate. I just want to throw okay. some context in there. Exactly. A judicial committee, excuse me. Sorry, Trevor Rebenzer is going to be on with us next week maybe and <laughs> if I don't get that right I'll feel bad. Right. Like I I just don't so if if <laughs> I mean it's, it's really hard for me to like take this seriously. And, and I don't want to, 
create an, a false equivalency of my own where I'm comparing Tom Cotton to Nancy Pelosi. Nancy no. Pelosi's a ter- terrible person, but she's not as she's not as dangerous as Tom Cotton. She's it's all not, on a spectrum. It's just, it's all on a spectrum, exactly. It's, so, you know, it's I'm sorry. I just want to say it, it goes it goes back to what what I mentioned to you earlier in our, you know in the conversation we had earlier this week. You know, at this point, voting. I saw somebody tweet it. You know, vote for the enemy that you want. Yeah. That's all this is at this point, right? Tom Cotton is not an enemy I want. No, not when we're creating these kinds of false equivalencies where we compare traitors to the country that he seems to love so much. That was obviously founded in 1776, according to him. Okay, and Gordon Wood, who, you know, is where all this revisionist crap comes from. Right. A lot of it, a lot of it. Um, You know, he wants to he wants to set up this false equivalency well in my mind it's like i don't understand how his constituents and we lived in the south can hear that and 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 not see how ridiculous it is because it's like one step to go Robert E. Lee led forces of the Confederacy against the nation. They took up arms against their government. He says this later on in this interview. Right. Our citizens took up our citizens, meaning Arkansasians or whatever. No, Arkansans or whatever. That was unique. I'd never heard that before. Yeah. Or otherwise known as Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas. (laughs) Arkansas. He. I used to say that to my kids when they were little. They would laugh and go, "What you just said, ass!" I go, "What? Don't you swear?" This is a state. And they'd be like, "I go, what are you talking about? Arkansas? You just said it again." That's a state. How dare you? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know that that they can't go from Robert E. Lee led Confederate forces. That makes him a traitor. That is one step. It's not. It's not a rabbit hole. It's one step. The other beautiful connection that I think people can't make is when people say. You know, and I heard this all the time in the South, you know, the Confederacy is my heritage. It's my heritage. Okay. And I would look at them and say, well, you know, I'm from New York. You know, my heritage was killing traitors. So what's the argument here? Like we, like what what is the basic two-step, you know, what is the basic step that people are missing between the connection of you guys are traitors and you guys lost? How many times did you hear this in the South, Jim? You know, the the Civil War never ended. It's just at halftime. Yeah. Like, what is the step that people are missing to understand that Robert E. Lee and all these people, Jefferson Davis, they're not the same as George Washington. If we're following this sort of like idealistic American history, uh, you know, perspective, what are we losing here? Because you you pointed out, too, we're going to put this interview in the link, you know, in the description later this episode, as we do all our other resources. Uh, Tom Cotton even points out the fact that. A, in the beginning, he says, you know, America has has struggled to uphold these sort of institutions, but then also talks about the fact that these people disagreed and took up arms against the very country that they believe in in order to fight for those ideals, which we mentioned earlier, were founded on racism. So what is the thing that people are willingly missing here outside, in my opinion, of protecting their whiteness and protecting the systems of white supremacy that they benefit from in other ways that people don't? And the fact that those structures may be, you know, re-altered or re-envisioned or even tore down in a sense that would, uh, you know, take away from some livelihood that they think that they have when, again, 
These founding fathers would have never cared about you. They don't care about you. These people don't they care about you it. now. They wrote that they right. didn't care about you. So what they are they missing, it. Jim? What is Tom Cotton missing outside of the fact that, you know, you know look, Here, man. Here's what I'm going to say. Sigmund Freud would say this is all daddy issues. This just yeah, seems bro. like a whole lot of bullshit of Donald Trump, please recognize me. Daddy, please recognize me. Yeah, I'm doing my best job. You know, daddy I don't know what's more desperate. Tom <laughs> Cotton trying to get the attention of, of, of Donald Trump. You know, I saw Drake over the weekend on Twitter, you know, in the Barbados with a flag. You know who happens to be from Barbados? Our United Nations, uh, you know, uh, diplomat herself, Robin Rihanna Fenty. I don't know who wants more attention. Drake from Rihanna or Tom Cotton from, from, yeah. from President Donald Trump. Because this all feels like a whole bunch of grandstanding, Jim. It is. I mean, I, I honestly, we don't have to listen to any more of this crap. And if people want to listen to it, they can listen to it. In the, I mean, he goes on later to talk about how, you know, he thinks that reasoned argument between uh, intelligent people can read. And I, and I just got to say this because I'm done with this idea. I, I just am done with it. Fascism is not something to be reasoned with. It Thank is you. not a legitimate position. It's not an it opinion. It's something to be fought against. And I'm going to be very clear here because I thought a lot about this week, this, this week. Fascism is simply a creation narrative, number one, okay? A creation narrative, meaning our country was this and we need to get back to that, to the true nature of who we are. Creation narrative, okay? Okay, think Make America great again. It's a nebulous kind of, it was great once, we're not now, we need to get back to that. Creation myth. The second very general thing about fascism is ultra-nationalism. This is the love it or leave it people, okay? It's the, um, you know, it's these guys talking about how, you know, yeah, we don't get everything right, just like Tom Cotton just did. Oh, we struggled with this for a long time. Guess what, brother? That's that's step two in the fascism playbook, okay? It's the ultra-right saying, <clears throat> yeah, we've made mis some mistakes, but we're better than everyone else. We're doing, you know, all Are these, we? okay. No. And the third thing is you got to create an other to look down on. That's fascism. And he is doing that. He is saying, he goes on to say, and you may, maybe we should play that. We should play what he said. What he said was, as the founding fathers said, as a founding father said, slavery was a necessary evil. And then Lincoln said, but it led to its, no, we're not going to look away from that. And we should play that because, okay, he is, first of all, no founding fathers actually said the words slavery is an necessary evil it's not there it's I certainly know. implied I disagree. Mm -hmm. but it's not but it's not it's absolutely not yeah. a direct quote right the other the other problem with the statement is the way he says it politicians do this all the time he says a founding father said like a so it's not a direct quote. So he has plausible deniability. Yeah. Oh no, that's not how I felt. That's not what I'm saying. Somebody else that, said it. Exactly. It's, it's Nancy Pelosi misquoting the Bible over and over and over and over, which she has a penchant of doing, and then saying, "Oh no, I'm sure I read it somewhere." Well, it fits your performative, like 
uh, you know, thing you're trying to deliver to your your people right now. But it, no, that actually doesn't say that. Two okay? Corinthians. Come on. Yeah, yeah, two Corinthians. You and I have both read the Bible. <laughs> and, and I can tell you that if 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 all of what these people say is was actually in the Bible, uh, the Bible would be a lot bigger. It'd be a lot bigger. bigger. A lot bigger. Anyway. There's actually, there's actually, you know, and I know that you know this, but you know, for those that don't know any of, you know, any of the sort of like Christian mythology, there's actually a section in Revelation, the last book of the Bible, that says, "Do not add on to this." Yes. So there are a lot of they politicians are in trouble. <laughs> keep adding on. <laughs> they keep adding stuff. Jim, Jim, I, you know, I, we are, we are, we are, we are, we're at our hour mark here. I do want to say this. This is the thing that you just pointed out. These people don't even adhere to their own rules. And I don't mean like these people to like objectify. I just mean, I just find it real funny, right? Make America great again. You know, love it or leave it. There were a whole eight years where there was a section of this country that hated it and never left. Why are they rewriting the rules now telling people like you and me to leave? What's going on with that? You know, I gotta, I'm gonna go. All right. So one of my favorite philosophers still alive, uh, late 20th, early 21st century philosophers is uh, Zizek. Zizek. I'm gonna. I'm mispronouncing his name. I, I believe he's. Uh, I believe he's Croatian. Could be Bosnian. I, I may mix this up. Anyway, he's he grew up in the former Yugoslavia, and he talks about explaining freedom because we always. So in the early 90s, a national uh, party arose. Slobodan Milosevic. Some of you may remember him. He was a fascist. He was a nationalist, a Serbian nationalist leader. The, 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 he reached back to some sort of, you know, previous history of Serbian nationalism that had been, you know, uh, taken from its people and he was going to regain this. And basically the other for the Serbian nationalists was Muslims living in Bosnia and Herzegovina and Croatia, right? It basically was ethnic cleansing which has occurred in that part of the world as in all parts of the world, I guess, for a very long time. And so Zizek was um, from this part of the world and he was an academic and he knew some of these um, fascists. He knew these people who were in the Serbian national movement and in the army. And he actually talked to some of these generals and he said, you know, he basically, and we can post a link for this. It's actually, I think on YouTube where he says, you know, I talked to them and I said, I, I feel bad now looking back that I even engaged them in conversation. Our argument about if you're arguing fascism, I'm sorry, I, I don't, I'm not going to acknowledge your position as legitimate. Right. And that includes libertarianism, which is just closet fascism in my mind. It's but hipster. It's fun. hipster fascism. It's hipsters fascism. Like Joe right. Rogan and so all of them, it's hipster fascism. So Zizek says, um, you know, in talking to these guys, I said, you know, he said to them, like, how come you're so against freedom? Like he had a sort of Western understanding. Why are right. you against? And what they said to him was very, very um, troubling and eerie in a way. What they said was uh, one or two of them. What they said was they would say things like, well, we look at the West and we don't see freedom. We look at the West and we say, oh, don't eat this. Don't smoke cigarettes stop at the stop sign uh do you what do this don't walk here can't don't go on the ground all we see when we look at the west is rules rules at, on upon rules upon rules you you people aren't free and of course their sort of 
what Zizek explains is their sort of radical freedom is, hey, I'm a Serbian national. I want, I want as much as the world to be Serbian. And if that includes, you know, I'm going to go do some ethnic cleansing, then I'm going to do that because that's a neighborhood, my Serbian brothers. It's, it's, a, it's a sort of um, logical position based in the immoral. It is like, you know, right, morality right. for me, I've always gone to the sort of Roman um, definition of this. Morality is, is, is doing more than is required of you, mm. but doing less than is allowed. Mm. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right. My mom just used to because, tell me that a lot. Just because you've done what you were supposed to doesn't mean you should stop. Right. And so if you're saying your you your your position is is one that make creates a a group of others, a group of people that cannot be included in your group no matter what, I I'm against that. Because because I I I you know, I want you to I want you to say this you know, 30 seconds as we close this out here, there's something that you and I talk about a lot that I think a lot of people don't get. Or maybe some people haven't heard. There has to be, um, there has to be a, a, a lack. We cannot tolerate intolerance, correct? That's Karl Popper. So Karl Popper was a philosopher from the early 20th century. Karl Popper laid out the paradox of tolerant societies. And so what he looked at is he looked at the the democracy, the so-called democracies, I don't believe they're democracies. We can talk about that another time. Um, but he looked at the so-called Western democracies of his time. And he said, what he said was, is if you want to have a tolerant society, you cannot be tolerant in, uh, infinitely. You cannot tolerate all things because if you want a tolerant society, inevitably what will happen is tolerance will be erased by the intolerance of certain groups. That is, if you are a member of a group who as part of the foundation of your group is the elimination of another group, then you are intolerant by definition and tolerant societies cannot allow that. And why it's important is it isn't important as important in England where 97% of the population is white. It's not as important in Germany. It's not as or Sweden where the same demographics. We live in a country with 325 million people, heterogeneous people. Right. We 50% of us or so are are considered white. But even white people don't agree that we're all the same like group, right? No. 50% of the country is Black, indigenous, color of uh, people of color, um, also including all the cultures of Asia, some of whom don't consider themselves people of color, right. some of them who, who do. do, on and on. Okay, we are a heterogeneous country. I'm sorry if your position within this country is the elimination of another group or the exclusion of another group. That's not going to work just at a fundamental level. I, and, and you know, Tom, keep going. I'm sorry. Well, no, just Tom Cotton is representing that position. Yeah. He is saying that we are not going to go back and look at, damn it, own up to your, your, 
what would your father say to you? Did you mess up? Did you make a mistake? Own it, move on, and don't make it again. Why can't we do that as a culture? Right, right. And, you know, I just want to translate what you were saying a little earlier about uh, not tolerating uh, intolerance. You know, for those that, you know, maybe you didn't catch on with what some of what Jim was saying. I want to uh, I want to I want to turn to the wise words of a musical artist. His name is Toby in in Gingwe. I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. I will put a link to his Instagram in uh, in the description. Came out with a song recently. And, uh, you know, the hook uh, uh, kind of goes like this. It says, try Jesus. Don't try me because I throw these hands. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I grew up. I grew up in, in the in the evangelical church. I just want to say, you know, I know what Jesus said about turning the other cheek, but these hands are rated E for everybody. Don't try me. Okay. I will not tolerate well, your intolerance. I had an old friend when I was a kid. I had a, a guy, uh, George Roblard, an old, old guy, like really old. And I was just a young kid. And he used to say, well, Jim, we all fall short of the glory of God. <laughs> we all we all have clay feet, don't yeah. we? Hey, look, I know that's right. <laughs> Jim Jim, as always, we are yes. we are wildly Way over. over. Before Way we over. get into your song of this week, can I ask you, did you have a moment of Zen this week? Did you have you any know moment? I had a couple, Aaron, but like one of them was listening to Bob Barr just spout bull crap uh -huh. during his you know, like who got the eaten great, up? Oh yeah, the great Hank Johnson from the Fourth Congressional District in Georgia was like, "Look, don't you think? Let you know, you know, are you telling us that Donald Trump didn't influence Roger Stone <laughs> right, getting right. out of jail?" And Bob Barr, after admitting that Roger Stone was sentenced according to the the Justice Department's right. own sentencing <laughs> right. guidelines, goes well. Don't you think, do you think it's right for a 67 year old man to get sentenced to seven to nine years? Oh in like, he's literally making, he's literally making a lefty argument. And I'm like, oh my God, like there's no soul. These people have no soul. Doesn't matter. They will uh, do what they will do. I'll tell I you, my, go ahead. Go, no, no, go, no, please go ahead. Mine's Tell good. Mine's good. Fonda, please don't kill me. Oh, she, she, uh, see, if you have to say that. It's like saying no disrespect, right? Like disrespect <laughs> is going to right. come. Right. Ricky Bobby. Yeah. With all due respect. And I do mean eh. with all due respect. Mine comes from uh, something that we haven't talked about in a while. Uh, a little bit of Carolina Knicks tape-esque here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to point to sports here. The NBA is uh, back. The MLB is back. The NFL is not coming back. Um but mine comes from, uh, you know, uh, a basketball player named Lewis Williams, who uh, was in the Orlando bubble in the NBA. You know, they have a bubble down there in Florida. And he went away for a family emergency. And uh, he came back and, you know, there was all this talk that he hadn't just gone to deal with this family emergency, which was his grandfather passing away. God rest his soul. Um, but I saw Jack Harlow, uh, who is a rapper, post on his Instagram and said, guess where we are? And come to find out, um, 
Lewis Williams was at a, uh, uh, um, how shall we say? Uh, strip joint. It's a strip joint. Listen, for those that are, that are from Atlanta, from the South, Magic it's, City is more than a strip joint. It's a strip joint. He got some of the best wings one of the best <laughs> wing platters in Atlanta at Magic City Kitchen. Wings. Listen. You better be more specific if you're talking about a strip joint. Look, got... look, look. What strip joint get? or not. Strip <laughs> joint or not. Magic City Kitchen has some of the best wings in all of Atlanta. I've had them. They're delicious. I'm going to put a picture in the description for those that notice. That was my moment of zen. Shout out to Lou Williams. Shout out to Lou Williams for going to get some of the best wings in Atlanta. That's my moment of zen. He went for the food. Oh, my God. Do you see where they're eating down there in the bubble? I would have went to Magic City, too. I've got a good joke to go with your uh, better than your foreskin one from last week listen this is a good one you'll like this okay so a guy goes out and he's deep sea fishing Uh uh-huh okay there's no swears in this i promise okay okay um (laughs) oh my god so this guy goes out and he's deep sea fishing and he's he hooks this shark and he pulls the shark up onto the boat and it's like flopping around and so he pulls his knife out. And he's about to like try and kill this shark. And the shark goes, wait, 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 don't kill me. And the guy's like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> Talking shark, what's going on? And the shark's like, listen, I'm a magic shark. You mm-hmm. don't understand. Uh, if you don't kill me, I'll grant you one wish. Okay. And the guy thinks for a second. He goes, magic shark, one, yeah, well, it's worth a try. He goes, okay, I, I wish that my penis reached the floor. So the shark ate his legs. Oh my God. <laughs> Magic oh shark. Oh my God. Another Magic one. shark my ass. Another one. Another one. <laughs> Another one. Listen, if you have any comments or concerns, direct them at Jim Heenahan. He's easy to find on Facebook. Do not direct them towards me. Jim. Take the people out this week. Tell them what your song is. Oh, dude, this is like, this is gold. This is 70s gold right here. I was talking about Toots and the Maytals last week. I felt bad because they're a Jamaican band. I said they were like English ska, reggae, but that's where I got to know them. But this one, this is for Mark Hauser. This is purely Mark Hauser right now. This, this, uh, I get Tell them who it is. Oh, no, no. No, you tell him, because I know you will. Golden Classics? Yeah. Listen, as always, Jim, this has been another good week. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed it at home. Please continue to send us your comments, questions, concerns. You'll find all the links in the description. I'm Aaron Palat. He's Jim Heenahan. Thank you for turning in to this episode of This Week Disassembled. Chevy Van.